Chapter Fifteen of Dragons of the Air by Harry Seeley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen Ornithosaurs from the Upper Secondary Rocks. When staying at Swanage in Dorsetshire many years ago, I had the rare good fortune to obtain from the Purbeck beds the jaw of a pterodactyl which had much in common in plan with the cycnoramphus frosii from the lithographic slate which is preserved at stuttgart the tooth-bearing part of this lower jaw is eight inches long as preserved extending back three inches beyond the symphysis portion in which the two sides are blended together it is different from Professor Frost's specimen in having the teeth carried much further back and in the animal being nearly twice as large. This fragment of the jaw is little more than one foot long, which is probably less than half its original length. A vertebra nearly five inches long, which is more than twice the length of the longest neck bones, in the Stuttgart fossil is the only indication of the vertebral column. Professor Owen described a wing finger bone from these Purbeck beds, which is nearly one foot long. He terms it the second of the finger. It may be the third, and on the hypothesis that the animal had the proportions of the Solenhofen fossil just referred to the first wing finger bone of the english purbeck pterodactyl would have exceeded two feet in length and would give a length for the wing finger of about five feet three inches for this animal the name doratorhynchus was suggested but at present i am unable to distinguish it satisfactorily from cycnoramphus which it resembles in the forms both of the neck bones and of the jaw. Very small pterodactyls are also found in the English Purbeck strata, but the remains are few and scattered like these larger bones. Ornithodesmus latidens. The Wealden strata, being shallow freshwater deposits, might have been expected to supply better knowledge of pterodactyls than has hitherto been available. Jaws of Ornithocerus sagittirostris have been found in the beds at Hastings and in other parts of Sussex. Some fragments are as large as anything known. The best preserved remains have come from the Isle of Wight, and were rewards to the enthusiastic search of the Rev. W. Fox of Brixton. In the principal specimen, the teeth were short and wide, the head large and deep, with large vacuities, but the small brain case of that skull is bird-like. The neck bones are two and one-half inches long. In the upper part of the back, 
the bones are united together by ankylosis so that they form a structure in the back like a sacrum which does not give attachments to the scapula as in some pterodactyls from the chalk but the bones are simply blended as in the frigate bird allied to pelicans and cormorants and then after a few free vertebrae in the lower part of the back succeeds the long sacrum formed in the usual way of many vertebrae i described a sacrum of this type from the wilden beds under the name ornithodesmus referable to another species which in many respects was so like the sacrum of a bird that i could not at the time separate it from the bird type this genus has a sternum with a strong deep keel and the articulation for the coracoid bones placed at the back of the keel in the usual way but with a relation to each other seen in no genus hitherto known for the articular surfaces are wedge-shaped instead of being ovate and instead of being side by side they obliquely overlap practically as in wading birds like the heron i have never seen any pterodactyl teeth so flattened and shaped like the end of a lancet and from this character the form was known between mr fox and his friends as latitans the name ornithodesmus is as descriptive of the sternum as of the vertebral column the wing bones as far as they are preserved have the relatively great strength in the forelimb which is found in many of the pterodactyls of the cretaceous period and are quite as large as the largest from the cambridge greensand in the Sussex species, named P. sagittirostris, the lower jaw articulation was inches wide. A few pterodactyl's bones have been discovered in the Neocomian sands of England and Germany, and other larger bones occur in the galt of Folkestone and the north of France, but never in such association as to throw light on the aspect of the skeleton ornithocerus within my own memory pterodactyl remains were equally rare from the cambridge greensand the late professor owen in one of his public lectures produced the first few fragments received from cambridge and with a knowledge which in its scientific method seemed to border on the power of creation produced again the missing parts so that the bones told their story which the work of waves and mineral changes in the rock had partly obliterated subsequently good fortune gave me the opportunity during ten years to help my university in the acquisition and arrangement of the finest collection of remains of these animals in europe out of an area of a few acres during a year or two 
came the thousand bones of ornithosaurs mostly associated sets of remains each a part of a separate skeleton described in my published catalogues as well as the best of those at york and in the british museum and other collections in london the deposit which yields them named cambridge greensand may or may not represent a long period of time in its single foot of thickness but the abundance of fossils obtained whenever the workmen were adequately remunerated for preserving them would suggest that the pterodactyls might have lived like seabirds or in colonies like the penguins if it were not that the number of examples of each species found is always small and the many variations of structure suggested rather that the individuals represent the life of many lands. The collections of remains are mostly from villages in the immediate vicinity of Cambridge, such as Chesterton, Huntington Road, Coldham Common, Hasslingfield, Barton, Shillington, Ditton, Granchester, Harston, Barrington, stretching south to Ashwell in Bedfordshire on the one hand, as well as further north by Horningsea into the Fens. Each appears to be the associated bones of a single individual. The remains mostly belong to comparatively large animals, some were small though none have been found so diminutive as the smallest from the solenhofen slate the largest specimens with long jaws appear to have had the head measuring not more than eighteen inches in length which is less than half the size of the great toothless pterodactyls from kansas the Cambridge specimens manifestly belong to at least three genera. Something may be said of the characters of the large animals which are included in the genus Ornithocerus. These fossils have many points of structure in common with the great American toothless forms which are of similar geological age the skull is remarkable for having the back of the head prolonged in a compressed median crest which rose above the brain case and extended upward and over the neck vertebrae so as to indicate a muscular power not otherwise shown in the group for about three inches behind the brain this wedge of bone rested on the vertebrae and probably overlapped the first three neural arches in the neck another feature of some interest is the expansion of the bone which comes below the eye in birds this malar or cheekbone is a slender rod but in these pterodactyls it is a vertical plate which is blended with the bone named the quadrate bone which makes the articulation with the lower jaw in all oviparous animals 
the beak varies greatly in length and in form though it is never quite so pointed as in the american genus for there is always a little truncation in front when teeth are seen projecting forward from a position somewhat above the palate the snout is often massive and sometimes club-shaped except for these variations of shape in the compressed snout which is characterized by a ridge in the middle of the palate and a corresponding groove in the lower jaw and the teeth there is little to distinguish what is known of the skull in its largest english greensand fossils from the skull remains which abound in the chalk of kansas this english genus ornithocaris represented by a great number of species had the neural arch of the neck bones expanded transversely over the body of the vertebra in a way that characterizes many birds with powerful necks and is seen in a few pterodactyls from solenhofen it is difficult to resist the conclusion that the neck vertebrae were not usually more than twice to three times as long as those of the back and it would appear that the caudal vertebrae in the english cretaceous types were comparatively large and about twice as long as the dorsal vertebrae unless there has been a singular succession of accidents in the association of these vertebrae with the other remains ornithocaris had a tail of moderate length formed of a few vertebrae as long as those of the neck though more slender quite unlike the tail in either the long-tailed or short-tailed groups of solenhofen pterodactyls and longer than in the toothless pterodactyls of america the singular articulation for the humerus at the truncated extremity of the coracoid bone is a character of this group as is the articulation of the scapulae with the neural arches of the dorsal vertebrae at right angles to them page 115 instead of running over the ribs as in birds and as in other pterodactyls the smaller pterodactyls have their jaws less compressed from side to side the upper arm bone the humerus instead of being truncated at its lower end as in ornithocaris is divided into two or three rounded articular surfaces that for the radius the bone which carries the wrist is a distinct and oblique rounded facet while the ulna has a rounded and pulley-like articulation on which the hand may rotate these differences are probably associated with an absence of the remarkable mode of union of the scapulae with the dorsal vertebrae but i have hesitated to give different names to these smaller genera because no example of scapula has come under my notice which is not truncated at the free end 
i do not think this european type can be the nyctodactylus of professor marsh in which sutures appear to be persistent between the bodies of the vertebrae and their arches because no examples have been found at cambridge with the neural arches separated although the scapula is frequently separated from the coracoid in large animals ornithostoma the most interesting of all the english pterodactyl remains is the small fragment of jaw figured by sir richard owen in eighteen fifty nine which is a little more than two inches long and an inch wide distinguished by a concave palate with smooth rounded margins to the jaws and a rounded ridge to the beak it is the only satisfactory fragment of the animal which has been figured and indicates a genus of toothless pterodactyls for which the name ornithostoma was first used in eighteen seventy one after some years professor marsh found toothless pterodactyls in kansas and indicated several species there are remains to the number of six hundred specimens of these american animals in the yale museum alone but very little was known of them till professor williston of lawrence in kansas described the specimens from the kansas university museum when it became evident that the bones of the skeleton are mostly formed on the same plan as those of the cambridge greensand genus ornithocerus they are not quite identical professor williston adopts for them the name ornithostoma in preference to pteranodon which marsh had suggested both animals have the dagger-shaped form of jaw with corresponding height and breadth of the palate the same flattened sides to the snout converging upwards to a rounded ridge the same compressed rounded margin to the jaw which represents the border in which teeth are usually implanted and in both the palate has the same smooth character forming a single wide concave channel years previously i had the pleasure of showing to professor marsh the remarkable characters of the jaw shoulder girdle bones and scapulae in the greensand pterodactyls while the american fossils were still undiscovered i subsequently made the restoration of the shoulder girdle page one fifteen professor williston states to me that the shoulder girdle bones in american examples of ornithostoma have a close resemblance to those of ornithocerus figured in eighteen ninety one as is evident from remains now shown in the british museum it appears that the kansas bones are almost invariably crushed flat so that their articular ends are distorted the neck vertebrae are relatively stout as in ornithocerus the hip girdle of the american ornithostoma can be closely paralleled in some english specimens of ornithocerus 
though each prepubic bone is triangular in the american fossils as in p ramphastinus they are united into a transverse bar as in ramphorhynchus unknown in the english fossils the femur has the same shape as in ornithocaris and the long tibia terminates in a pulley there is no fibula the sternum in both has a manubrium or thick keel mass prolonged in front of its articular facets for the coracoid bones which are well separated from each other four ribs articulate with its straight sides the animal has four toes and the fifth is rudimentary there are no claws to the first and second in the restoration which professor williston has made the wing metacarpal is long and in the shortest specimen measures one foot seven inches and in the longest one foot eight inches this is exactly equal to the length of the first phalange of the wing finger the second wing finger bone is three inches shorter the third is little more than half the length of the first while the fourth is only six and three-fourths inches long showing a rapid shortening of the bones a condition which may have characterized all the cretaceous pterodactyls the short humerus about one foot long and the forearm which is scarcely longer are also characteristic proportions of ornithostoma or pteranodon also known from the american specimens professor williston gives no details of the remarkable tail beyond saying that the tail is small and short and that the vertebrae are flat at the ends without transverse processes in the restoration the tail is shorter than in the short-tailed species from the lithographic slate and unlike the tail in ornithocaris this is the succession of pterodactyls in geological time their history is like that of the human race in the most ancient nations man's life comes upon us already fully organized the pterodactyls begin so far as isolated bones are concerned in the radic strata perhaps in the muschelkalk or middle division of the trias and from the beginning of the secondary time they live on with but little diversity in important and characteristic structures and so far as habit goes the great pterodactyls of the upper chalk of england cannot be said to be more highly organized than the earlier stiff-tailed genera of the lias or the oolites there is nothing like evolution no modification such as that which derives the one-toed horse or the two-toed ox from ancestors with a larger number of digits on the other hand there is little if any evidence of degeneration the later pterodactyls do not appear to have lost much although the tail in some of the solenhofen genera may be degenerate when compared with the long tail of dimorphodon but the short-tailed types are found side by side with the long-tailed rhamphorhynchus 
the absence of teeth may be regarded as degeneration for they have presumably become lost in the same way that birds now existing have lost the teeth which characterized the fossil birds ichthyornis of the american greensand and archaeopteryx of the upper oolites of bavaria but just as some of the earlier pterodactyls have no teeth at the extremity of the jaw, such as Dorinathus and Ramphorhynchus, so the loss of teeth may have extended backward till the jaws became toothless. The specimens hitherto known give no evidence of such a change being in progress. But just as the division of animals termed edentata usually wants only the teeth which characterize the front of the jaw, yet others, like the great anteater of South America, named Myrmecophagia, have the jaws as free from teeth as the toothless pterodactyls or living birds, and show that in that order the teeth have no value in separating these animals into subordinate groups any more than they have among the monotremata, where one type has teeth and the other is toothless. The following table gives a summary of the geological history and succession in the secondary rocks of the principal genera of flying reptiles. Geological Formation Upper Chalk Names of the genera North American Ornithostoma Pteranodon Lower Chalk Upper Greensand Galt Names of the genera British and European Ornithocerus Ornithostoma North American Nyctodactylus Lower Greensand, Wielden, Purbeck. Names of the genera, British and European, Ornithodesmus, Doratorhynchus. Portland, Kimmeridge Clay and Solenhofen Slate, Coraline Oolite, Oxford Clay. Names of the genera, British and European, Pterodactylus. Tenodracon, Cycnoramphus, Diopocephalus, Ramphorhynchus, Scaphonathus, Great Oolite and Stonesfield Slate, Inferior Oolite. Names of the genera, British and European, Ramphocephalus, Upper Lias, Lower Lias. Names of the genera, British and European, Campylonathus, Dorinathus, Dimorphodon, Ratic, Mushelcock, British and European, Bones. End of chapter 15.